Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Tom Miller here, and I'm really excited to start this next session with you. We are uh, uh, rocking through Todd Whitaker's What Great Principles Do Differently, and this is our seventh, our seventh session uh, together. So whether you're listening to us live uh, or um, in an archive on our podcast or our Facebook page, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, feel free to make sure you let us know what you liked, uh, drop a comment. Uh, if we said something you love, share it out, uh, because the more the more people that we can impact, and the more people we get improving their leadership and believing in themselves, the better uh, all schools will be. So, what I wanted to start today with was um, was a lesson that I wrote a couple of years ago, um, combined with uh, what I've been thinking on lately. Right. So the three questions that I posted to you all um, was, who do you aim to be as a leader? Uh, and does your school that you lead or the team that you lead or the organization you lead, does it reflect this, right? So who I aim to be as, as a leader. And so I was, I was, I was uh, thinking about the 2009 and my first uh, role as a, as a principal or a director of a charter school. And I aim to be this, you know, um, well-respected uh, leader um, who who um, empowered uh, people, who who um, who who was open, who um, who ran a tight ship, right? High expectations, um, high academics, uh, students learning, students engage, uh, teachers, you know, leading, um, and and these were all the things that 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 were part of the expectations. And in our school, I would say, had many, um, uh, you know, we were the highest performing middle school in the area. Uh, we were a, a Title I uh, middle school, you know, and uh, being the highest uh, performing, um, we had real strong um, uh, uh, student discipline and high expectations. Our student wore uh, uniforms, but we also started to build in a great uh, community impact. And, and our teachers were leading initiatives, right? So it had some, it had some reflections of that. But the third question I wrote was, who do, how do I, what do I need to do to change inside to show that on the outside, right? And so I, those things didn't happen right away. It took years to get there. And one of the reasons it took years to get there is because I was the lid on, on the organization's leadership. You know, I was the primary cause of, of our organization not being able to move forward. It was mainly because my inability to um, develop strong relationships. 
uh, I was not a very relational leader. <laughs> I didn't know, you know that uh, relations were uh, critical to the leadership aspect. Um, so that was one one key skill that I needed to learn uh, was to how how to lead at a at a relational level. And so also the other thing that I was you know doing from the forefront is is uh, I wasn't I wasn't very strategic. All right. When I say you know, strategic means I knew every day what were the things that we had to do to be successfully successful as as an organization. Okay, I knew what I expected. I wasn't very strong at communicating that strategy, so other people knew their role to the goal. I just kind of assumed that they would understand <laughs> their role to the goal, and so. I go back to uh, a blog that I wrote a few years ago, and I asked leaders if if they're playing chess or are they playing checkers, right? Are you playing chess or are you playing checkers? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen here. Let's see if I can get it up to where I want it to be here. Hold on, let me find this particular so you don't see the seven thousand tabs that I have up here. Hope everybody's doing good. I see folks are starting to come in now. Say hi, let us know what's a good win you had for the week. Great to see you, Grace and Robin and Polly. So I could share this link too, but so one of my mentors asked me, are you playing chess or are you playing uh, checkers? I really, I'm not, I'm not very good at, you know, checkers. My kids who have, you know, they're less than 10 years old have beat me multiple times, but but I never really looked at the difference between chess and checkers, right? A, you know, a, a chess board and a uh, checkers board, same size, 64 squares. Uh, there's a few more game pieces for uh, chess uh, than there are uh, checkers, right? The goal of the game or the way to create, you know, capacity in the organization is to, is to king me in uh, checkers, right? And in chess, the pawns can grow to be rooks and knights and bishops or queen. Um, the movement of a checkered board is what, you know, you can only use half the board, right, and always in the same uh, direction, right, unless you're king, you can move, you know, backwards. But in chess, half the pieces can move in all different directions, including backwards. Uh, Flexibility-wise, there's not a lot of flexibility in uh, checkers. But chess, all squares of the board are uh, are used. And the object of the game in checkers is to eliminate all of the opponent's uh, checkers. And in chess, it's to get checkmate, right? So the strategy is like you move one square at a time in uh, checkers. The only time you can't move one square at a time, Grace, right, is if, you're, if you skip somebody, right, or you jump somebody. I mean, it's the only way. But in chess, you're playing offense and defense and multiple squares all at the same time. So as I kept, you know, diving in, I came across this quote from a, a, a doctor, Dr. Marion Tinsley, and he said that chess is like looking across the ocean, but checkers is like looking down a well, right? So to me, that means chess, you have like unlimited opportunities and resources. Compared to looking down a well, it's straight, it's narrow, it's dark. It's really only one option, right? You're up or you're down. And so as a leader of an organization, you need to be 
constantly playing chess. Now, who of you, is there anybody in the room who's good at chess? Give me a yes in the chat box if you play chess, you're good at chess, right? But when you're playing, when you're playing chess, you need to be, you know, thinking uh, three, six, 12, 36 months down the road, right? I mean, you know, effective leaders need know how to play chess with all aspects of it. Right? They're constantly being a strategic and they're seeing all these moves ahead of the game to get ultimately to the goal, you know, checkmate. But all day today, I was leading mastermind groups with uh, principals and one of the biggest problems, you'll never guess the biggest problem that most leaders have right now. Most school leaders have this one single problem. They have too much money to spend. They don't know how to spend all this extra money that they're getting. Their COVID money, their ESSR money, their grant money for this and grant money for that, or their um, schools received, uh, um, uh, oh, the name's escaping me, but uh, oh, the hold, you know, the hold harmless money, right? And this is that if your school didn't have as many kids as you thought it would, you still got paid for them even though they didn't show up here in North Carolina. I mean, crazy. When he asked them, how are you going to spend the money? They're like, ah, I'm not really sure. You're not really sure. How could you not be sure? Which brought me to another blog that I'll share. Is like, if you had an extra $100,000, how would you spend it? And if you don't know the answers, to me, that means you're playing checkers. That means you're like playing one move at a time. Versus if I'm playing chess, I'm constantly looking ahead. Like I'm looking three, four, five moves ahead. What is it that I'm going to need, you know, my, where my knight, you know, to be, my rook to be? I mean, you know, I got to be doing all these things. So visualize um, a checkerboard when the game is halfway completed, right? This is what the resources, the staff it looks like. Like some are ahead, some are, you know, behind, you know, some are scattered with little to no uh, teamwork, and the plan is day by day, right? It's just reactionary based upon the last move. Now, I'm sure there is some strategy to checkers. I never learned how to do it. Again, 700 on my SATs, everybody, so I'm just good enough to get the black and the red squares where they're uh, supposed to be, right? But eventually, this game ends, right, with, uh, you know, both teams are pretty much almost depleted of their resources and their energy. Right? I mean, think about that. The end of the school year is coming. And all I keep hearing is if we could just get past this last quarter, <laughs> we could just get through it. Like, we're just depleted. But when you're playing chess, right, you're not thinking about the end game. There is no end game, there's an infinite game when it comes to education. And you can get, you know, checkmate within three moves, or maybe it takes 300 moves. But either way, you're using. You're using your uh, pieces effectively, right? The first goal in uh, chess is is not to eliminate all of all of the other person's resources. That helps, but the ultimate goal is checkmate, right? While you protect your own king, which is your mission and culture, right? So in chess, there's a clear uh, purchase, a clear purpose, student achievement. Student achievement is our goal. 
And maybe, you know, some of those outlying, you know, resources are things that we have to kill, right? That's our secondary goal is to eliminate it. But ultimately, we just want to get the checkmate. So this starts with our staffing, right? So you should have, you should know right now, it's April 12th, I think, right? It's April 12th. You should have an understanding of which positions you're going to need for next year. In fact, some of you may have already started hiring, right? Maybe some of you have already started to tell people you're not going to be with us next year. Maybe you've already started to tell folks, hey, I see you in a bigger role. I see you in a greater capacity. There's a big difference. This is when, you know, people are looking for jobs. In fact, a lot of the really good people are gone because they've already been swooped up. Effective leaders know know the talent that they have on the board, and they know how they're going to utilize all those people right now, right? So I am getting to a point. We're talking about Todd, uh, Todd Whitaker's uh, chapter on those higher-level achievers, right? Those high-level achievers. That's who I'm talking about right now. So the staffing from a chess strategy is to understand that each of your pieces and your people are unique, and you need to capitalize on their strengths and their talents, that which fills their heart. Great leading is not about control, but about connecting with people and trusting them to execute, right? It's about being able to empower. I'm gonna put that blog there in the link if you wanna check it out. Now, the second part of looking at chess, right, to improve your school is through training, is through you know, development of people. So when I think about when someone says, oh, I have an extra $100,000, I'm not really sure how to spend it. I say, well, where are your problems? What are your goals long term? Who do you aim to be in a year or two from now? How are you going to win? How are you going to win in your county, in your district, in your community? How, how are you going to create greater impact? If you get $100,000, to someone who plays uh, checkers, right? Let's just, I used to work for the government, so let's just talk about that. And they got a road with a bunch of potholes. They might just fill the potholes with that $100,000, right, Grace? They're going to just fill the holes. However, an effective leader is going to go, why are there holes here? Where are these holes coming from? What's the real root cause of this problem that we have these potholes? Because we could fill these potholes, but in three years from now, they're going to either show up somewhere else or they're going to be here again. Why couldn't we take that $100,000 and create greater impact and dissect our true problems here and create a strategic plan to solve the problem with that $100,000? Don't buy more Chromebooks. You don't know what to do with them. Have a plan, but that's what we just keep doing. We just keep buying things, keep buying stuff. So trainings would be the next one, right? Where is the school laughing? lacking? Having all staff members, right? Have they all been trained at the highest level under your current academic programs? One of the leaders, you know, today in one of our groups, they started to talk about, you know, what are you all doing for your summer programs? And then when I was hearing them, I started to like realize like, but they're, 
that's not the curriculum that they have in the school. Why are they changing curriculums? And I asked him, why are you changing curriculums? But I'm not really sure if the other one's working. Well, has everybody been trained in your current curriculum? Is everybody clear in your school about what your curriculum is? How and what are our instructional methods to teach students? What assessment tools are we using to identify whether they've learned it or not? I mean, those are the three most important questions to any, um, you know, education plan. What will, still, what will students learn today? How will we know that they've learned it? And what are we prepared to do if they don't? Or if they do, they do or they don't. But you would be blown away. I don't know how many schools a lot of you have worked in, but you would be blown away if I asked a question. What is the education plan of your school? That it's, what's the curriculum? What's your instructional methods? And how do you assess kids? Less than 50% would be able to answer that question. Do you doubt me? I think that's a high number. I'm gonna say less than 33% could answer the question with consistency as a staff. Shoot, it might be less than 10% now that I think about it. I remember being in a room with a leadership team and asking them, what's the curriculum of your school? There was five people in the room and I got four different answers. And I said, if you five don't know the answer to what's the curriculum of your school, how the heck do the 37 teachers out there know? How would they know? They're playing checkers. One move at a time. I've got my role in my box. This is my lane. This is my channel. This is my well. Am I making any sense? Someone tell me yes or no. I don't know. I'm on a rant here, Grace. You make it sense. You guys showed up, so all right then. Thank you. <laughs> so it's about playing chess, right? So with our training. So like is is everybody trained to the highest level in this method, right? Or in this curriculum or whatever it might need to be, you've gotta you've gotta be able to make sure that you're equipping people. Because here's what I know. People will rise to the level of their training, period. You can't buy $70,000 curriculum programs and not buy the right manual. I, I, I tell you no lies here. I was working with a school last year where they spent almost $100,000 in curriculum resources. You know what they didn't buy? They didn't buy the teacher's manual for every teacher. You know what else they didn't buy? The training that goes along with it. So you know what didn't get used very well? The $100,000 worth of curriculum. I found it in every classroom on the shelf. And when I asked how come it wasn't being used, the answer was either we're not really sure how, or my favorite, it doesn't work. Let me tell you a secret, everybody. Everything works. Every single plan will work if you work the plan. Checkers versus chess. You're playing checkers, it means you're buying new programs every year, just trying to figure it out. Everything's being reactionary. Doubling up sometimes, getting a king. 
playing chess, you're constantly looking at not just what's my current landscape, what's my future landscape, right? So training is number two. Where is the school lacking? How do we, like, do we refresh? How do we rebuild? How do we build capacity in our people? How do we, you know, right? I mean, how can we really raise the level of everybody's understanding and create mastery? And one thing is to get really clear on what you teach, how you teach it, and how you know kids are going to learn it. You get clarity on those and then you train the heck, like you know what works and you just equip people to be able to be really, really good at, at that. So when you master the game of chess, it's called castling, right? It's like you're playing with new rules. I didn't even realize this. There's all these like master you know, programs and culture, like you become in this whole like another, another uh, level of a player. And when you become that, you attract incredible talent that almost acts like you're playing with no rules, right? I mean, when you've worked in an entity that has really smart, innovative, creative people that are hungry, like, isn't it like you're cheating? Like, it just seems so easy. Like, why is it so easy? It's because everybody's constantly thinking about how are we going to get to that goal and that destination? How are we going to checkmate here? Compared to, you know, checkers, like, I'm just just waiting for someone to push me forward. So as you grow as a leader and you learn to utilize the pieces in the game, you, you know, your end of the year always has a unique ending, right? Compared to uh, checkers where it just seems like you're just exhausted and a total annihilation. But when you're playing chess, right, you're, you're, just, you're just really rebuilding. You're, you're really understanding how to strategically use every piece. There's a big difference about experience, right? Just experience and doing something, an evaluative experience, and actually learning what you just did. I don't know how many times I played uh, played at checkers, and just I don't know, I just had the same rule. I don't know, I just start with this guy, right? Or it's like playing like Connect Four, right? you just dropping the same things in the same spot over and over again. There's just no strategy around it. So let's so let's take a look at this. And if there's any questions on that, go you can drop in a chat box or unmute yourself. You all have you all have it should be open for you. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this difference between empowerment and delegation. If I can figure out how to show my screen, here we go. Ah, it's not helping you. I can see my screen, but you can't see my screen. All right. So this was the question that I put to a set of leaders. When I think about delegating, I worry about blank. Go ahead and in the chat box, tell me, tell me what you Tell me what you would fill that blank with. When I when I think about delegating, I worry about blank. Anybody have us? Oh, here we go. Teacher clarity. Uh, oh, the link doesn't work. I wonder if it's private. I was wondering why that blog was showing up. Maybe it's set on private. Okay, I'll check it. I'll fix it. 
Uh, teacher clarity, not getting the job, not getting done. I worry if it'll be done correctly in a timely manner. Good perception, and I can, I can delegate better now that I was a beginning principal. Sometimes we're about the job getting done to my satisfaction. Yeah, that's good. Right, and so these were some of the ones. So there was like 25 uh, uh, principles in this uh, training I did, and um, you know, this was some uh, being done on time, missing deadlines, job getting done, being done in a timely manner done correctly, quality of the work, right? These were all written out on uh, post-it notes and just, you know, we just put them up on the wall for everybody to read them. Loss, loss of focus on a mission, work being focused on the right things, follow through, capacity, consistency. Um, will be done at least 75% of how I could do it. Uh, looking like a slacker was an interesting one. You know, there was a, there was a principal worried about if I had to, you know, I'll look weak if I, you know, delegate almost was the, you know, was the, was the thought. Um, somebody said how much better they will do than I will, right? Someone, someone being worried about how they would look as a leader. Uh, not having a say, employees presenting in a negative tone, right? They won't represent the school, I guess. Others not being happy with the results, putting too much pressure or a burden or overload, right? So there was three key uh, categories. It was time management, right? Quality management, and uh, personnel or personal perception and reactions of others, right? So will it be done on time? <laughs> will it be done well? And what will everybody think of me? Those were pretty much the three themes that we came up with here. And again, I feel like this goes back to chess versus checkers. I mean, it's, it's a completely different mindset to be able to empower, right, even versus delegate, right? So the things that you have to have when you are either delegating or empowering somebody, you have to have, you know, clear vision, right? What is it that you want them to accomplish? You have to have trust, right, that they can actually do the job. And they also have to have training, right, that they've received the necessary training. All three of these, <laughs> All three of these take significant time from the person in charge, right? Like I've got to, I've got to take the time to be very clear and communicate what it is that I want to be accomplished. So I think most of the times leaders don't delegate because they can't get through this first part. They're not always sure what they want it to look like at the end. And when it's fuzzy in my head, it's hard for me to communicate. Right. This happens to me often. It's just easier for me to do it because I know how to do it faster, right? Or trust, right? So I got to build trust and you got to build, you know, trust with me. And, you, you know, you've got to kind of prove yourself over time, right? You can't really dictate how fast, you know, someone earns, you know, trust with you, right? It's got to be trustworthy. But, you know, there's got to be a competency level that I'm you know, willing to hand this over to you. And then, and then the training also takes time, you know, whether you have to train them or you have to send them to training and all, all these things cost time and money and effort, right? There's so many, there's so many uh, components to it, right? Is there anything else that you would add on here to have, to be able to empower and delegate? This way is just, I have a system I learned from a training, yeah. Perfect. Okay. I think I, All right. I think I'm so, right. Yeah. 
The only thing I was thinking about was um, the support maybe that they would need. So letting them know that if right. they get to a point that maybe they feel that they're feeling overwhelmed or they can't get the job done, that they can come to us. And maybe that's a fund of trust, but um, that they can come back to you and say, you know what, I'm having a hard time figuring this out. I need your help. Yep. Sure. I love that. And that's going to be part of the framework that we're going to share here. That's exactly, that's exactly one of the issues. No doubt. <laughs> because two ways, right? I could delegate this to you and maybe I didn't communicate it well enough and you never came back to me and then you did it and it's wrong. Right? So not only did I waste your time, but I also broke rapport and credibility, right? Because you're kind of angry at me that you spent time going down the wrong path. And I said, oh, you did it wrong. So now there's all these things, you know, uh, broken because of that. That's, that's perfect. And that's why it needs to be part of our process to follow up. So this is uh, from Michael Hyatt's No Fail Communication. And many of you, I think, were in that book study with us. Um, that's the one we did in February. Um, so he has his five levels of uh, uh, delegation, right? So this is, this is, you know, you're just telling somebody to do exactly what I asked, right? This is the lowest level this is it, right? I feel like you have, you know, you don't need to have a say or a thought, just go do it, right? It's very low level skill here. The second level might be, hey, research the topic and report back to me, right? So this is like, go watch a webinar for me and tell me what you learned, right? Um, and that's happening a lot. This is one of the, you know, one of the pieces we talked about during our mastermind group. But today, that in North Carolina, there's a lot of webinars right now about some ESSR funds and, you know, charter schools. And they're like, it's taking a lot of time from the head of school. And I'm like, well, look, like you could have somebody watch it for you or even better, you could watch it with them, right? And then have some coaching and training along the, you know, the way of the webinar and start to really equip them. And this will help you save time, right? So this is maybe you've uh, done that and you say, hey, go watch this webinar for me or go to this you know, training or, hey, read this article or whatever it may be, research a topic and bring it back. Level three, right? This next you know, step is to research the topic, outline the options and make a recommendation to me, right? So as you can see, just like Robin just shared, like the trust is increasing here, each, each level, right? So research the topic, outline some options and make a recommendation. What do you think? we should do, okay? Four is make a decision and tell me what you did, right? That's a much higher level of trust, right? I'm up there almost at the top, just tell me what you did, right? Decide you've got full responsibility for this. And level five is make whatever decision that you think is best. And so when I was a, you know, director, this was like, and I, I feel like this is what Whitaker's talking about when he, um, you know, talks about make a call to care, right? Is about, you know, hey, this is what our, core values are, these are what our beliefs are, and we're gonna focus on making the best decision for kids. Just, that's what I used to tell, you know, my staff. Now, depending on where they were on this level of, you know, delegation, right? I would say, if you can't find me, just make the best decision of what you think is best for kids and your, and your class or, you know, the entity. And if it's wrong, I'll take the bullet and we'll just talk about it afterwards, right? What, what questions do you have amongst this five levels here? I know I really went through it fast. And if you've, if you've got the book, No Fail Communication, or if you're part of the book study club, you can get back access to this. But is there any thoughts on Michael Hyatt's five levels? Now, this is delegation. This is just 
telling people what to do, basically. Either in the chat box or unmute yourself. Do anybody see any specific challenges? Like, could you could you all do this? The you know the folks that are on here. Does every if you feel good that you could follow this level five, and maybe you think you do already follow this level five, put a yes in the box. Say, so, yep, yeah, I got no issues with this. I could start doing this today. All right, let's see what we got here. Sometimes, okay, Polly. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, good. Well, t well, talk to us about why is it sometimes? Why is it eh? And Robin said that delegating is one of my strengths. Was it always one of your strengths, Robin? Or did you did you have to go through some some growing pains to get there? Um, I would say it's probably always been one of my strengths. Um, since actually undergrad, I did. I had a lot of leadership positions in undergrad. And I had people who did things under me. And so I learned a pretty easy um, how to delegate at that point. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. It's just, it is, it's a strength. Um, I, unlike people, like people who can't let, give people other stuff and let it go. Uh -huh. I can, I can easily do that. I'm trusting you to yeah. get this job done and this is what needs to happen and I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to keep on moving to the next thing. And I'm pretty yeah. good at that. Like I said. Yeah. I learned. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. What well, no, I, mean, I was just going to say that's what, you know, Wicker even has a quote. I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the page number in front of me, but he said, you know, basically like, what should I delegate? And he said, everything. Right. I mean, and John Maxwell says it a whole, you know, like that all the time. He's like, your job should be to work yourself out of a job as, as, as a leader, you know, and, and you should always be only focusing your time on whatever is going to get the organization the greatest return at when you do it. And basically if anybody else can do it as 80% as well as you can, you need to delegate it to them. You need to, you know, you need to, and we're going to talk about empowerment here in a second, but you need to, you need to let them do it. Right. And he said, um, where is it? Here it is. It's on page 102 of my book. I have a second edition to remember. He said, he said, a principles rule of thumb for a delegation is very simple. We must delegate anything that anyone else can do. He's even like broader than mine. Anything else that anyone else can do, right? Anything that anyone can do. If the secretary can do it, delegate it. If our assistant can handle tasks, pass it on. Why? Because there's so many things that only the principal can do. And that's what the key is here, is that you should be spending your day doing the things only you can and should do. And, uh, you know, John Maxwell has his, his three R's, right? And I teach the three R's too. And the first R is required. These are the things that only I can and should do for, for the organization. This is hard for people. Shelly said, I'm getting better at delegating. I've learned to prioritize and keep things that are required for my position. Walk through observations, parent meetings, otherwise, yeah. 
Yeah, and even with the walkthroughs, you know, I I think one of the most powerful things I ever did and still continue to do is walkthroughs with an entire leadership team. Because I want to know what they're looking at and I want to communicate my expectations around what I see, right? So when it goes back to that, you know, question, who do you aim to be as a leader and does the school you lead reflect this? Like I want the school to show up like the principals there when I'm not there. Don't you all want that? Don't you all want a, a non-principle dependent school, right? That everybody just acts and, and has actions and behaves in a way as though you're in the room. I know that you know, it doesn't always happen, right? Even when you are in the room, sometimes it doesn't happen, but that would be great, right? For, for you know, people to make their own decisions, to feel comfortable with, making that level five, right? Whatever decision you think is best. Now that's only because, right? You can get here because you've, you've got a clear vision. They know what's expected of them. You trust them. They know that you trust them and they've had the training to do it. I mean, if, if there was a, you know, session I held, you know, one point and, and, Maybe the leaders in the in the webinar with us. I'm not sure, but they were talking about like the thing that takes the most time is the discipline at their school, and so we just kind of talked a little bit more about. It. So, well, what kind of discipline is it? Like, is it like the time to investigate the discipline? Like, I, I like I remember spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours like investigating these ridiculous middle school things that would happen. But you know what? I never spend time doing. I never spend time really thinking about how can I make sure this never happens again. What types of training, what types of not, you know, policies, what, you know, types of, you know, cultural values-based, you know, uh, programs or, or communication needs to happen so we don't have these things anymore. And so this, you know, per, this, you know, leader, like when I said, well, well, how do you solve these, you know, discipline problems? And they said, well, the teachers need to be trained better and, you know, a positive behavior support, and we need to put some things in place. And I said, great, who's the best person to do that? And you know what their answer was? Me. I was like, okay, so can you train someone else to handle the back end of the discipline so you could spend more time in the classrooms, more time developing the adults, more time preparing, right? That's, that's what I mean, like what's required of you. If you're the best person at it, right? That's the second R, return. If you're the best person at it, then you should be doing it, right? If it's required of you, right? Because this is the only thing that you can and should do, and that means that you're the best at it in your organization, then that's what you should be spending the bulk of your time with. 80% of your day should be focused on those key elements. Instead, 80% of our day is spent on administrative stuff, Right, and that what we need to do is when you've got your to-do list, when you got 10 things, pick the two things that are gonna give the organization the greatest return and delegate the other eight. <laughs> or don't do the other eight. You'll find out whether it's important or not because you'll get a, a memo from the district or you know, somebody will tell you something. So, okay, so that's delegation, okay? And I think delegation is important, but it's not how you 
It's not how you work with your high achievers, right? It's not how you work with your high achievers. And this is how you work with your high achievers. This is John Maxwell's five steps to empower, right? These five, these five levels. And this is from his book, Developing the Leaders Around You. I keep knocking to myself, I apologize. Developing the Leaders Around You. And this is one of the books in our, in our uh, leadership uh, principle series that you can get access to if you want. Um, so the first step is modeling, right? I do it and you watch me, right? So this is like, hey, uh, Grace, I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go do a walkthrough, right? Or I'm going to go, you know, uh, you know, uh, check out the safety of this, you know, part of the building or, Hey, I'm about to go into a, you know, session to, you know, uh, talk about grants or whatever it might be something on your to-do list. Like when you're looking at your list and your calendar every day, you should be asking yourself these questions. Does this have to be done? Right? Like, as in, is it going to take me closer to my goals? Is it going to take the, or, the organization closer to its goals, right? Does it have to be done? If the answer is yes, question number two in the flow chart is, does it have to be done by me? Does it have to be done by me? And that's where that 80-20 principle comes in and if there's someone on your, in your organization that can do it as 80% as well as you can, you're going to write their name next to it, right? If it has to be done by you because you're the best at it, so be it. I'm still going to encourage you to empower someone else to do it eventually. But if question is two is, does it have to be done by me? If the answer is no, write the person's name next to it. Who, who could do this? Who in your, the organization could start doing this? And then you're going to write a date next to their name. You say, okay, by X day, I'm going to have someone trained, right, within 30 days. And a great example was this. In uh, July, I opened up a charter school here in North Carolina. The entire administrative team uh, had left the, or, the organization in a four-month span from March till uh, July. And so when I took over the school, there had been no administrative that person in place really, you know, for the last four months, um, you know, and, and there's no, you know, back office, you know, school district. So I was the head of school and I was one, I was in a, I was a head of school and I was the middle school uh, principal at the same time. And I was also the finance uh, director, right? So I was holding three jobs in the organization at once opening up in a pandemic. And so there was things that were on my list that I had to do every day. And I would just like, like and one was for finance, like making sure the bills were paid. And I was like, I don't have time to do this accounts payable, you know, packet. It was just eating up too much of my time. So I, I just wrote out the steps that it would take. <laughs> and I found someone who could do it for me. Right. And I had paid them. I had a, you know, part-time employee do these steps. Because all that I was required to do was to sign off on it, right? I had to look it over, make sure it was correct, and sign off. That was the only thing that was actually required of me of that entire project. So I'm going to really encourage you all, start, when you're doing something, just ask yourself, what's actually required of me here? Do I have to go from A to Z? Or can I just come in at step Y and do Y and Z? Can I teach someone to do a to X, is that the alphabet? X, Y, Z, yeah, A to X, right? So 
again, does this have to be done? Does it have to be done by me? Right? And either if it's yes or no, if it's no, you're going to immediately create a training uh, program for somebody. If the answer is yes, I'm still going to encourage you to start coaching and equipping someone uh, to do it, right? So I model it, I do it, and you watch me the first time. The second time, we do it together. This is collaboration, okay? We're both doing it at the same time. We're working on it, right? And this is when, like, back to Robin's point or, you know, uh, someone's point in the chat is like, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm checking in with that person, okay, if we're doing it together, right? Because I don't want them to get too far ahead. I might say, hey, when you get to this next step, you know, check in with me, right? So that's kind of that step two and three, because two is we're doing it uh, together, but three is coaching. It's like, you, you know, you do it and I'm coaching you, right? So don't, don't get past step Z, or I'm sorry, D, you know, before checking in, because I don't want you to go too far. I don't want you to go down the wrong path because I haven't really showed you all those pieces yet. Whatever it may be. These are really critical steps, one, two, and three. Model it, show them how to do it, right? Going back to the vision, this is what I want it to look like. You're seeing it. Then we do it a couple times uh, together, so then you get the hang of it. Then you start to do a little bit more independently, right? It's a least, right? It's a most to least intrusive prompts, right? You're going from the most intrusive, which is the modeling, to the least intrusive. I'm, I, I'm starting to back away here, and I'm starting to give you more autonomy. So you do it and I'm coaching you. Step four is empowerment. You do it alone. It's your task now. You're fully responsible for it. And step five is, hey, I want you, I got more projects for you. So I want you to go pick someone and I want you to take them through this, you know, five steps within the next, you know, 30 days. And now you're multiplying. Now you're, now you're taking those high level leaders, those high level achievers in your organization, and you're equipping them to go equip more people. Right, you're taking them through it first, and then you're telling them to pick some because that's one of the issues is like, oh, I don't, I don't want to put more things on my people. Well, you don't have to. Take them through the same exercise. Look at what they're doing on a daily basis and say, you know what, these three things you don't need to do anymore. Let's find someone else in your organization for you to do them. Or are these really important? Like you, you constantly have to be pruning things and weeding out things to bring in the new. But the problem is that we just keep taking more and more and more and more on. Well, there's only 24 hours in a day, everybody. It's the only way that we're all equal in life. We all have 168 hours in a week. That's it. But the difference is the most effective leaders know how to use that 168 hours differently. It's just like the chess versus uh, checkers board. The board's the same. And even in, you know, chess, there's, you know, some people that can checkmate you in three moves. And there's some people that takes 300. It's just because the better that they've gotten in a valuative experience over time. What questions do you have on these five steps of empowerment? Yeah, also let them know your satisfaction requirements for uh, completion. And that's exactly right. So the other tools, uh, you know, that I gave you that I don't, I don't have up right now, is that is that um oh here it is perfect hey perfect timing i see look how prepared i am here it is. provide feedback for growth right so this is when they got it done like you know uh, principal swain just said it's done uh but it didn't really hit 
the mark, right? So you can tell them again, this was my vision for this task, right? Um, my vision for the task is that all students would be, uh, all student IEPs would have been completed by April 1st for the headcount. So we can be in full compliance, right? But the reality is 10, 10 or not, right? 10, 10 or not in uh, compliance. So this is an important part. Help me understand. Help me understand. Like what, like what happened? How come we've got 10? Like what, what have you reflected on, right? I want to know that, I want to know where you stand, like in terms of like, how come it's not finished, right? How come it didn't get executed? Like what, like what have you been reflecting on? Like I really need to understand this, like how come we didn't meet the mark here? And then, yes, provide opportunities for growth. Like, well, here's what you could do differently next time, or here's what I want you to do. That's a pretty, you know, big example. It could be as small as like walking kids down the hallway, right? My vision is when kids transition down the hallway, they're wearing their masks with their arms to their side, and they're quiet, and their teacher is with them in a custodial exchange from teacher to teacher. But the reality was when I walked in the hallway, I saw your students, there was no adult supervision, and they were loud, and they were interrupting education. Help me understand, like where, where were you? Oh, well, I had to grab some copies, or my phone rang, or you know, whatever else. Okay, I got you. But however, the vision is for the security and safety and the learning environment that we're gonna do X, Y, Z, right? So here's your opportunity, right? What's your opportunity for improvement? Everything should always be about improvement. And this last step that I love, that's maybe the most important, is lead. And the lead part is, how could I have communicated this better so you would have executed at a higher level, right? See, I didn't know all those times that I tried to empower people. I thought I was empowering people and they wouldn't hit the mark. And it was mainly because I didn't communicate all the rungs of the ladder. I didn't go through the full modeling, right? I didn't model it all the way. I didn't show them and, and teach them and coach them through all of the mistakes I made. I, I expected them to jump five rungs of the, ladder, of the ladder that it took me four years, right? Four years to learn. See, because we have all this evaluative experience, this failed forward experience, which has is, which is built us into the leaders that we are growing our own ladder and then all of a sudden we try this empowerment thing that this guy from north carolina is trying to get me to do and my staff members falls flat in their face and i told you it doesn't work yeah, it doesn't work because you didn't teach them from where they are you didn't coach them from where they are you expected them right you led through assumptive leadership that they already should know how to do it Teachers make poor decisions. Teachers, administrators, they make poor decisions every day, not because they want to make poor decisions. They're making the best decision that they know. Everybody will rise to their level of training. So when you get to this last part here, this lead part, you need to ask them, how could I have communicated this better? How could I have modeled it better? How could I have 
um, taught you better. I mean, whatever it may be, you've got to be willing to go back for them. Otherwise, if you're you're just going to diminish them, you know, you know, you're going to make them work less. <laughs> They're not going to be, you know, most likely to help out, right? I mean, Whitaker talks about this in this high high achievers group about how sometimes our high achievers they don't they don't accept you know criticism very well because they want to be so you, you know perfect and and we, and we have to tell them like you know hey I know I don't always do a good job communicating this right so where did I go wrong like what are the steps that we need to take like how could I have done this better I know you did the best you can. And next time we're going to get a better result, right? You can tell them all your failing forward stories, right? But your failing forward stories need to come in these first three steps, the modeling collaboration and, you know, coaching aspect, right? This is where you can accelerate their learning by being vulnerable, by being vulnerable. What are your thoughts? What questions do you have? What do you like? What do you not like about it? What are you maybe already doing? So let's just let's just open it up here and and see what you got. And I'm going to send you these things. I've got a delegation quiz and the empowerment worksheets. Um, I'm going to I'm going to send those out to you guys in the next 24 hours or so. What are your thoughts in that delegation and empowerment part? Hey, Tammy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? All right. <clears throat> I was we just missed you thinking, last week. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I was just thinking um, delegating is a challenge for me. I still hear my mom's voice in my head. If you're going to do it, if you want something done, you might as well do it right and do it yourself. And so <clears throat> that's just how I was raised that you you know, if you want it done right. But as I moved from a role of assistant principal into the principal role, in fact, my assistant and I've had this conversation several times in our building, um, uh, you can't do it all. It is impossible to do it all. You can't. And so then having that level of trust, and I think part of it really, as far as not with teachers so so much, which is still important, but especially with um, my assistant principal, it's got to be open lines of communication so that she knows that I do empower her for things that, like we, we have certain things that I know she deals with. She deals with all things buses. That's just an easy, um, and so if the, a bus question comes, I know she's going to deal with it. She's going to do it right. I don't have to follow up. I don't have to look over her shoulder. She does all things technology. So we've had some open communication about what things fall under her umbrella and just as we work together, that level of trust, I know without a doubt that I can trust her. She has proven herself to be effective and efficient and not just do it, but do it right to do it well. And so I think those are two parts that we didn't really talk about is open communication uh, about it. And then um, just a level of trust, you know, that the, they are trustworthy, that they have proven that they, so I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to fret that it's, you know, done right. 
Um, I know when you're talking with teachers, that level of empowerment is a little bit different um, as far as being in an admin role, but I, I still think those two pieces are important. So looking at those, uh, those two uh, components, technology and um, buses, right, and transportation, was that in their, in their strength zone? Was it something that was in their heart? Like what, like how, how did that get put on their plate? Does anybody have buses in their heart? You just tell me. I have buses in my heart. That's why I'm handling the buses. <laughs> well, let's say kids, kids getting to school safely, the um, ability to talk to, you know, communicate well with bus drivers and parents and handle all the discipline stuff, right? I know that's not usually in someone's heart, but what, where I'm trying to go with it is that we need to make sure, because here's my fear, if Lindsay leaves, God forbid, and she won't, or some, you know, school wants to scoop her up and take her, will. <laughs> what I see leaders do is they'll say, okay, you're in Lindsay's spot. She was in charge of mm -hmm. technology and transportation, and they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not very good at that, right? But it's, well, that's what the job is. And that's yeah, what no, I see I mistake leaders do all the time. Is uh, again, it's going to have to take some communication. She's in charge of technology and does a lot of our data stuff because she is good at that. That is her strength. I don't worry about anything technology in our building because she is efficient and effective. So, in that regard, yes. Now, buses, that's just coming with the territory. I, I mean, I, she's got to do something. I got to do something. I do car duty, she does bus duty. So, you know, that's right. um, but it's, it's the assistant principal's dream. It's like, discipline and, and buses here we go baby yeah. she does not i will say we both share the discipline in our sure. district, our district a lot of the assistant principals do discipline all day long and that is not the case here so i do appreciate that that she's growing me in other areas as well so but i understand what you're saying about the next person better know how to do technology and buses <laughs> yeah but it doesn't have to be the way, right? So, so the whole point, so we've got our DISC uh, personality profile, and maybe, you know, some of you have, have ours or you've taken one, but ours has a strengths, you know, component on it. And so what I love to do is I love to, when I work with a team, is like, okay, well, what are your strengths? And it's like, well, mine's in, you know, detailing and processing. Great. Well, what, you know, what are you in charge of? And it has like nothing to do with detailing and processing. They're like in charge of like social, you know, clubs and like greeting people. And I'm like, that's not really in your wheelhouse because I see that your influencer is really, really low or your relationship is there. Like, I know, I just, it's just, I'm like, well, why do you do it? That's well, because what the last you know, person did. So we just have to be really conscious of when we put people in a position that we release them from their weaknesses and we keep them in their assets, right? We really understand their uh, strengths. So when you've got these high achiever teacher leaders and yes, they may want to like really, really do something, and I see this with uh, uh, principals a lot, like, I want to be the instructional leader. I was like, okay, well, talk to me about your, like, instructional background. Like, are you really good at it? No. Well, what uh, training have you had? None. So what, you're not the instructional leader. You know that, right? Like, it's not you. It should be this person because they're much better at it. Yeah, but, I'm, uh, but I have the title and the badge. I don't care what you have. Now, you're responsible for it. Totally different word. But the requirement should be on this person. Like, they are the one. And, and that was, um, you know, we had a conversation about core knowledge curriculum today. And like the person that's a core knowledge school, but they don't really know much about core knowledge and they're the principal. I go, it's perfectly fine. Go hire somebody who's really good at core knowledge and make them your curriculum director or whatever the heck you want to call them. I don't care. 
but you shouldn't do it right now. You can learn, but you can't say I'm the curriculum person of the school because you don't know. We just have to suck. We have to put our ego aside at times. Just make sure that we're putting people in the right positions because that's what's going to create better organizations and multiplication of a success. And I think I talked about the Peter principle here, um, which is that everybody is going to be promoted into a state of incompetence at one point in their lives. And I just see it in education a lot that we tend to put, you know, people in a coaching position and not train them to coach. Like we just, they're really good at teaching. So we're going to promote you to our instructional coach. I'm like, oh, great. Have you had cognitive coaching training? No. Do you have your master's in curriculum instruction? No. Okay, so, you, you know, besides you being a really good teacher in the classroom, why are you in this job? Because that's really it. And then, and then the leader gets upset because the person's not able to carry their duties. They're making copies and they're helping people. And I'm like, yeah, because they're rising to the level of the training that you provided them. It's not their fault. It's your fault. Don't fire them. Fire you. You did a bad job. Suck it up. Right? But that happens a lot. We've got to be very conscious of that. Right? Have I fully equipped the people to be in the positions they're at because we just complain about our people not executing when we stop, we don't ask the question like, have they been trained to do it? Is this something that they're good at? You know, we got, you know, front desk, you know, folks doing some pretty heavy, you know, data things. And I'm like, when, what, you know, training have they gone through? Well, they went to power school. Okay. But like, what else did they do? Well, they went to power school. I understand they went to power school, but have you like taught them how to like, you know, data input? Do they understand technology? Do they understand like all the infrastructure of it? Do they understand like the policies and the procedures of student enrollment? Like, had they gone to those things? Well, no. I said, well, then I don't understand what you're asking them to do. You're setting them up to fail, just like we set kids up to fail. It's no different. No different. So the other resource that I'm sharing is we have a, uh, um, what we believe is a pretty solid list. It's a quarterly list. It's a principles uh, checklist, and it's a model for you all to say, hey, what are all the things that have to be done per quarter um, that, we, that we do here? And you could start, there's a column that has, guess what, Lindsay? It's someone's name. Who's going to start, who am I going to start, you know, teaching and training how to do this? And you guys can, it'll be edible for your own usage. Um, because that's, you know, because that's an important piece. And you can start looking at it a quarter or two at a head, head of time and say, okay, so what are some things coming down the pike here? And what do we, you know, what do we need to be prepared for? And who on our team, Lindsay, is like, who's like ready for that, you know, challenge? You know, who could we start to, you know, you know, start to, give them a little bit more things to do, um, right? Rather than just the normal things that they, that they volunteer for, because we need our best, we need our best people uh, in our more higher level type opportunities, um, right? We all have those uh, teachers who like to volunteer for everything. And as, you know, Whitaker talks about, it, it's like, you have to almost have a side conversation with them, say, I got bigger and better things for you. Um, so don't say yes. Right. Don't don't say yes to this to this role coming up. I'm trying to get this empowerment worksheet to come up. 
and it doesn't want to because I want to show this to you because a lot of you are being like, oh gosh, I, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, plan it out, you know, for all these people to be able to do things. But technology is failing me. See, this is something I should not be in charge at, charge of here. Why won't it? I want to click. So anyway, so going back to that school, you know, that I opened up, um, that 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 was the way that I did the entire school. So I was actually in the position of head of school, all the way to eventually the um, exceptional children's director. Um, because of a turnover, right? So I held uh, seven different administrative jobs over eight months, but every time that I did it, it was the same, the exact same plan. What is, what is required of me to do versus what are the things, what are the things that I can, um, that I can empower other people uh, uh, to do, right? So that's, so that's my challenge to you all for this week is to start looking at the, um, the tasks that I do every single day. And first of all, asking me, asking out loud, uh, does this actually have to be done, right? As in, is it taking me to my goal, right? Either my personal goal or uh, um, creating, um, you know, getting us closer to organization's success. And if the answer is no, uh, stop doing it. And if the answer is not, I'm not sure, stop doing that too. And then you'll find out in a couple of weeks whether or not it's really important or not, because somebody will tell you. Nobody's, you know, fed the cat. And be like, oh, someone should probably do that, right? So who can, so who can do that? Or nobody's, you know, filling out this form and the, the state needs it or whatever it may be, okay? Whatever it may be. And then the uh, you know a second piece is um, is that does it have to be done by me? And if it doesn't have to be done by me, who can do it, right? Who on my team can do it, and what might that look like? And yes, after a dozen tries, as I'm filibustering, I finally got it to come up. Who who does that you know who could do it? And I'm going to start to show them. All right, here we go. So some of you may have this. This is our empowerment worksheet, right? So I am assigning Tom the responsibility of, um, uh, you know, daily daily emails to staff, right? Or you know, daily announcements, or you know, checking in with the bus drivers. So, what does success look like? So this is what uh, Principal Swain said, right? Getting really clear, right? You know, what does success look like on this task? What what goal does it align to, right? So that this forces you by asking you, what goal does it align to? It actually forces you to identify whether it's important or not, right? What does success look like, and what goal does this align to? When is the project due? Very important due dates. I didn't realize that, but due dates are important. When is the project due? How often is it due, right? Because maybe it's a, a repeating piece, right? Because, you know, folks will say, well, it only takes me five minutes, to, you know, to do it. I don't need to teach someone how to do it. I'm like, well, how many times do you do it? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like 20 times a month. I go, well, that's 100 minutes, right? So if it takes you 30 minutes to train them how to do it, 
uh, it's math, 100 minus 70, or you know, 100 minus 30 is 70. So you just got back 70 minutes this month and 100 minutes every other month. Even if you checked in, right, and gave 10, 10 more minutes to it, you're, you're earning back 90 minutes of your life per month. Like, you could get a lot done in 90 minutes, right? Um, so when's it due? Uh, where might the staff member go for resources, right? So this is you writing it out. Like you are preparing this, you know, staff member to do this by you uh, scripting it out. And when you sit down with the staff member during the modeling and the collaboration time, you're, you know, going through all this, right? You could create the sheet. Uh, why does this work matter? Uh, who else should be involved, right? So this is where you could tell the person, like, you know, who else knows about this and who they need to check in with and any tips that I've learned along the way, right? This is what I was talking about, like where I totally forgot to, to say, oh, this is, you know, this is where the information is kept in our drive or this is the best person to reach out to the, you know, to the, to the district or whoever, um, right? But I love this, you know, down here, this is what Robin had shared, right? How often do I stay engaged, right? So um, what specific benchmarks or evidences do I want, like early on? Like what do I want to check on in the middle of the project or a last step? So this, this creates accountability and, you know, learning. And you sit down and you uh, debrief and say, you know, how, how, you know, what went well, what went wrong, what could have done, you know, better. And then, um, and then just a little bit of a self-assessment here, right? Um, you know, you know, my approach should be very hands-on, moderately hands-on or, ha you know, hands-off, you know, depending on my, my level of, of trust, my level of trust. You like this principle explain? All right, perfect. I'll make sure I get it out uh, tonight if you don't already have it. Yeah, so that's that one. And then the other one is, is there's the, the frame your feedback sheet. Um, we've kind of talked, that's that VR, VRUOL. V-R-U-O-L. It's V-R-O. I stole it from Michael Hyatt. I added the U and the L. So he was, he was too cool with his three steps. I added two more after that. So awesome. So you guys, oh my gosh, it's 540. Where did the time go? We didn't even talk about anything important. Is there anything that you all want to cover? Um, more than we've talked about, we can hit on a little bit of make it cool to care next week. I know we spent pretty much the whole time on what we're going to do with our high level achievers. Uh, but I think that make it cool to care is something we can, you know, we can touch on at the start of next week. So your call to action is to take this empowerment worksheet and to, to, to take your uh, to do list and pick at least one person this week to start empowering a task. Doesn't matter how low the task is. And if any of you are Seinfeld fans, there's this great episode where George, uh, he comes into the apartment and uh, Jerry's there. And, oh, I'm sorry, no, Elaine is there. And he's like, why are you here, Elaine? And she's on the phone with uh, Jerry. And he's like, oh no, is that George? Don't tell him why you're here. Now Elaine was there to pick up the mail, a very important empowered task that, you know, Jerry gave Elaine. So George was feeling like, how come I'm not able to pick up your mail? I need to, you know, be able to do something. And, you know, Jerry says, Elaine, put, you know, George on the phone. George, I have a very important task for you. I need you to come to the apartment twice a day. I need you to flush all the toilets. Twice a day, George, you've got to exercise the gaskets. And you saw George like, check, I'll do it, Jerry. I'll do it, right? 
So it doesn't matter how low the task is, you can make it sound great, right? Now don't just give away menial tasks. Make sure you use that sheet to say, this is why it's important. And I should probably add this on there. And this is why I'm choosing you to do it, Lindsay, because I know you have this incredible skill or knack of X, Y, Z, and I know you're gonna crush it and you're gonna do it better than I ever did it. Will you do it with me? Will you do it? Yes, perfect. We'll start training on it uh, tomorrow. So that's your that's that's my challenge to you for the week, is to empower start to empower one person to take something off of your list, uh, so you can you can take that three to ten minutes or whatever it is and do it something else, on things that you're actually required to do. Okay. Love it. All right, great job, everybody. Um, I'll I'll get that out to you next uh, couple of hours. And uh, everybody, be safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Wait your turn. And be good to each other, and most importantly, be good to yourself, because you know, we only get one shot on this and take some time for you. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Principal's Office podcast. There's two things I want you to do. One is if we said anything that you liked or added value to you or helped you as a leader, please share it out, like it, and make sure you subscribe so you get the notifications when the next uh, podcast is available to you. And secondly, if you want to download the study guide and the show notes and the resources like the hiring plan and the extra lessons about how you can grow yourself and grow your team as a leader, make sure you go to our website at lbleaders.com. And at the very top of the homepage, you're going to see a prompt that says, join our What Great Principles Do Differently study. Click on that and you will be able to download all of the show notes all of the study guides and all of the additional resources uh, that will help you be the most effective school leader. Again, make sure you uh, subscribe, make sure you share, make sure you like, and looking forward to seeing you on the next episode where we continue to talk about Todd Whitaker's What Great Principles Do Differently. Thanks everyone.